Well, before we begin today, I just want to say a, just a, a big, huge uh, thank you um, to everyone who uh, pitched in uh, to get things done while, while we were away. Uh, Ken did a great job preaching for us the last couple of weeks, didn't he? Can we all tell him thank you? Danny uh, hosting our services and uh, Daniel uh, and uh, Ari taking care of facilities and and uh, just everybody who uh, pitched in, um, Phyllis, uh, uh, just everybody who uh, rolled up their sleeves uh, to make sure that things uh, continued right along as uh, scheduled while we were away. I so appreciate it. Um, uh, listen, I want to talk to you today. Um, Dorinda calls uh, these things my fireside chats. Those of you who are old enough to remember that reference, um, State of the Union or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, that's fine. We're going to study God's Word together, but I want to I want to uh, look back a little bit. I want to look ahead a little bit, uh, uh, kind of set the tone and uh, talk about where we're headed. You know, taking on uh, projects at home, uh, in life, in work, in ministry, it can really it can it can feel like you know like it's uh, at times just more than we're able to take on, uh, and you can feel as though sometimes that especially if you're starting small, uh, small. That's, that's really not going to uh, produce the results that you're counting on. And you can get frustrated. It, it's easy to get frustrated. It can feel as though you're, you're spinning your wheels, but you're not going anywhere. And uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very frustrating I know. I get it. Uh, I've certainly felt that way. And I, I have no doubt that uh, uh, some of you have experienced that as well. Uh, in fact, if you don't get anything else I say today uh, beyond the reading of God's Word, I do want you to get this. God promises in his word, that small beginnings can produce huge results. That's the promise of God in his word, that small beginnings can produce huge results. Um, this is my first message of the year. It's not your first message of the year, but it is my first message of the year. And so it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to study God's word together, certainly. But I also, uh, again, want to pause and reflect a little bit. Uh, and I want to do this against the backdrop of what was happening in Israel around 520 B.C., uh, at the very beginning of what we call the Second Temple uh, period in the history of the Jewish people. This is when the Jewish exiles returned to Jerusalem, and they were given the task of restoring the temple. Uh, and it was, a, it was a daunting task, uh, it really was. Um, we... we we say that, we, we talk about the second temple period and the Jews uh, returning from exile and rebuilding the temple. We say that as though there was like this, this poof and, and uh, everything was suddenly uh, uh, restored and people were worshiping God, right? And we don't oftentimes stop to think about all of the work uh, that went into that. Uh, brick upon brick, stone upon stone uh, kind of work that went into that. And we say the Jewish, the Jews returned from exile and rebuilt the temple. Uh, and we, again, we just miss out on, on all, of the, all of the small details that make it such a powerful reality. Uh, you know, all, suddenly all was well in Jerusalem. That's not the way it happened. Uh, that's, that's not even close to reality. The truth is they started small and they had to, fall, they had to fight through setbacks. They had to fight through discouragement. Uh, they, had to, they had to relearn what it meant to be faithful. But one stone at a time, one brick at a time, one block at a time, they accomplished what they set out to accomplish, and they, they, they proved of a prophet named Zechariah to be true. Uh, and so I'd like to invite you this morning to turn in your Bible uh, or uh, open your Bible app to Zechariah chapter 4. That's an Old Testament minor prophet, Zechariah chapter 4. That's where we're going to be studying from today. that lo-fi don't you <laughs> so after after what's happening here is after taking control of the Babylonian Empire 
Cyrus encourages Jewish exiles to return to Judah, all right? When they get there, the temple is in ruins. I mean, it's a mess, guys, and I don't think, I don't think we can wrap our brains around just what a mess they came back to. The temple is in ruins. The wall, the entire city of Jerusalem is rubble. Uh, and so the Judahites, they, they start to put things back in order, but, and, and what a grand undertaking that was, right? It, 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 was, it was daunting. And, and at first, it, it's, it's not going really well. It's, it's not going so well at all. And, and so the people, they, they get discouraged, and, and guess what? They give up. They, they quit. And so the prophet Zechariah is called together with another prophet, Haggai, and, and together they, they urge the people to take up this work once again. Uh, they're telling them, guys, lunch break's over. Come on, God is calling us to, to, to rebuild uh, the wall and to rebuild uh, the temple. And so, and so, and so they encourage them. They, they encourage them to take up the work. And so thus begins this second temple period in Jewish history. God's people, they're going to have to relearn, uh, uh, or learn rather, to endure through setbacks. They're going to have to learn to overcome criticism. They're going to have to learn steadfastness of purpose as, as they daily trust in the Lord. And so Zechariah is given a series of visions, eight visions of encouragement. Uh, each one of these visions is a picture of God's covenant faithfulness to his people. And so the vision of the lampstand, which is the fifth vision, that's the one I want us to look at this morning. It was a timely vision uh, because it comes at a time when the people have really grown kind of tired and discouraged uh, by, what, by what they see as a lack of progress. You know, they're frustrated because they, they, they don't see the progress. They're not seeing the fruits of their labor. Uh, and so, so they're frustrated. And so this vision of the lampstand came at just the perfect time when they needed to be uh, encouraged than they were able to manage. And so this particular vision gave them the encouragement to let them know that they were in this alone. These 14 verses of Zechariah 4, uh, which are as relevant now as they were 2,500 years ago. But first, let's reverence God's word and receive it with prayer, shall we? Father God, your word is truth. We thank you for it. Thank you for the pains that it took to put your word into our hands today. Your word is pure. Your word is powerful. And so God, today I pray that your word would impart to us the same encouragement that it gave to your people 2,500 years ago. Lord, that from your word, we can hear you cheering us on, knowing that you are right here with us, working alongside of us, God, that it's indeed you who are doing the work in us and through us, not for our honor, not for our glory, but for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. May your word today find fertile soil in our hearts, grow and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So Zechariah chapter 4, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. We're going to read these 14 verses this morning. Zechariah writes, And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right and right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. 
and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation in this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know what the Lord of hosts, that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. What a great vision. What a powerful vision. You know, if you're like me, and, and, and as you read these, you, you're in trying to wrap your brain around, you're trying to envision what it is that God is showing uh, uh, to Zechariah, you sort of get the idea, at least I hope you see, uh, a menorah. So God is, God is basically showing him this vision of a menorah. And of course, you know, a menorah is not something that's, uh, that's foreign uh, to, the, to the sight of Jews, certainly uh, to, to many of these Jews, uh, it might have been something foreign to them. Uh, but there were Jews among these people who were old enough to remember the, the splendor of Solomon's temple. And they certainly remember uh, the, the menorah that stood inside the temple. That is the representation of the presence of God among the people. And so God is showing him a vision of this menorah. And this menorah uh, represents his presence among the people. And so the task before uh, Zerubbabel and the people, it must have seemed insurmountable. It, it probably seemed impossible, especially given the, the prophet's descriptions of the coming glory of Jerusalem and the temple. I mean, at the moment, they're looking at something that looks more like a rock quarry, right? Uh, when they get back to Jerusalem, there's, the, the splendor of Solomon is gone. It's just a pile of rubble. It's a, it, it looks more like a rock quarry than it does a temple. And so, so they're, you know, they're frustrated. They're, 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 this task is, is too big for them. Uh, again, some of the people under Zerubbabel, who, by the way, people and also an ancestor of Jesus. Uh, so, so many of these people, again, are old enough to remember the splendor of the first temple. And no doubt that those guys are all standing around going, guys, there's no way we're going to be able to put this thing back together the way it was. We can't, we can't put this thing back together the way that it was. If you've ever, if you've ever uh, had a, a glass a vase or, or something like that and you've, you've, you've dropped it and you've broken it and you, there's no way I'm going to put this back together the way it was. You, you sort of get on a much smaller scale. But this wasn't, this wasn't a glass vase you hold in your hand. This was a temple, people. You know, and they're, they're walking into Jerusalem, you know, and they're, they're probably excited. I can imagine there, there's a certain excitement. You know, finally, after, after years in Babylon, we're going to get to go back home. And no doubt that those expectations for many of them were hinged upon their past experience. And that's a, that's a big mistake, guys. When we hinge our expectations on something that is in the past, uh, you're setting yourself up for frustration and failure. Uh, so, so as they're coming back in and they see this, this stone quarry uh, rather than a temple, you know, they're, they're, they're frustrated. Now, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but uh, this vision is given to Zechariah and explained to him by, uh, quote unquote, the angel of the Lord. Uh, but I want you to understand that this isn't an angel in the sense that you might think. In fact, most scholars, myself included, this is actually an example of a Christophany. Um, some, I know that probably is a new term for some of you. Uh, some, some people say theophany. Um, you know the the presence of, of of God in the Old Testament. I don't like theophany so well because uh, anytime you have a theophany, no man can see the Lord, can see the splendor of God the Father and live right. So every time a man sees the manifest presence of God in the Old Testament, it is a Christophany. Who is the manifest presence of God? Jesus. 
That's exactly right. And so, so, so this, is a, this is an example here of a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of the physical presence or manifestation of God. That is Christ. And this isn't uncommon, by the way. Uh, Adam, Abraham, Moses, uh, those are some examples, just a few examples of, of people who encountered Christophanies in the Old Testament. One of my favorite uh, uh, three Jewish uh, young men are thrown into a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, and they put three guys in the furnace, and, and you know, they don't hear screams, and so somebody goes up, and they, they, they look into the furnace. What do you see? Uh, I don't see th- one, two, three, four. Wait a second. One, two, three, four. There's four dudes in the fire, and one of them's real shiny, for those of you who are VeggieTale fans. One of them's real shiny. That is my favorite example of a Christophany in the, who was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Christ. Christ was there. And so, and so uh, you know, for, for, for those who, who think that Jesus didn't show up until, uh, you know, until the New Testament, I got news for you. Testament. And so, and so the, this, this Christophany, Zechariah gives him this vision. Uh, so, so I want you. I want you to get that today. And so, the image in Zechariah's fifth vi- vision it both re- it represents both the unseen and seen uh, realities. The the spiritual reality that is unseen, as well as the ten earthly offices and persons. And so, I want you to look at verse two with me. And so he says to him, "What do you see?" I said, "I see and behold a lampstand of gold with a bowl." top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it and so again the solid gold lampstand is a symbol for god specifically for his presence for his purity for his holiness and he, he is the source of the light of revelation i want you to get that today there is no revelation apart from god he is the light of revelation. And so the Lord's desire for Zechariah and by extension Zerubbabel and the rest of the people is to see God as present. More than anything else, God wants us to see him as being present. I'm telling you today, your life may be in rubble. You, you may be looking at your marriage, you may be looking at your, at your professional life, you may be looking at your family life, and you may be looking at a pile of rubble. Things are broken. I'm telling you today that the presence of God, that that he fixes broken things. He restores broken things. He raises dead things back to life. That's what he does. But we have to embrace his presence. We need the Lord's presence as we labor for the kingdom. You and I need the Lord's presence as we labor for the kingdom. Church, it's easy to become discouraged when we forget that God is present with us in our day-to-day lives. There's a new theology, and it's actually not a new theology, it's actually a very old theology that goes back honestly to the very first century of believers that paints God as being cold and distant. But that's not, you know, God isn't involved in the day-to-day affairs of the world. I've heard people say to me, you know, God's got bigger things going on in the world than my, my little problems. That simply is not true. I want you to understand that today. That simply is not true. What what you have conjured up in your mind is a limited God. I am saying to you today that God is limitless. And your problems, no matter how big or how small they are, are just as concerning to God as the big things that are going on in the world. God is involved in the most minute affairs of your day-to-day life. God is present with us in our day-to-day lives. Many people, even Christian people, under, operate under this false image of God. Distant, detached. The Jews who have returned from exile, they're discouraged because all they can see is this daunting task and their best efforts haven't amounted to much. They're going to get discouraged. It's a small beginning in an overwhelmingly big work. I'm here to tell you today that God calls us to works that are bigger than us. But he doesn't leave us to do those works on our own. 
God is present with us. They're discouraged. The Jews are discouraged. They see a pile of rubble and they, 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 they remember the splendor of Solomon and they, they see the prophecies about the, the glory that's coming that's going that's gonna to sh- cast a shadow over, over the, the splendor of Solomon's temple and they're going, hey, guys, we, it's just, the math isn't working. This just isn't adding up. But not only is God present, he is fully aware of what's happening at the most minute levels and details that are going on. I want you to skip down quickly to verse 10. Go down to verse 10. Don't worry, we'll, we'll catch this stuff in the middle, but I want us to go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel are the eyes of the Lord which range through the whole earth. God is saying here, everyone who's discouraged because of this small beginning, who can't see past the physical reality and see the spiritual implications of this much bigger thing that God is doing, is going to have their proverbial socks knocked off. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you today, but, but I, I, you know, I, I get up every day and I'm like, God, knock my socks off. I really do. And, and if you think I'm just saying that, I'm not. I, every day is an opportunity for God to knock my socks off. Somebody said to me one time, you've really drank the Kool-Aid, haven't you? I haven't, listen, I don't like Kool-Aid. I've drank the living water, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God, God wants to knock your socks off. And he's saying, listen, these people are discouraged because of the small beginning. They're, I'm going to blow their mind. I'm going to absolutely blow their mind. And the symptom here cannot be overlooked. I want you to see this. Seven eyes. So, th- so this seems really freaky and creepy, right? you got a being with seven eyes, right? That's, that's weird. That's creepy. Uh, and i got news for you. Those of you who put your pretty little angel at the top of your tree, uh, if you got like something that looked like what a real angel looks like, as described to us in the Word of God, it would be this big thing with like multiple tentacle arms and covered in eyes. It would be it would scare your children to sleep, your grandchildren. Uh, so so we see we see this these seven eyes. This is this is some symbolism here. And there's always the number of perfection. Anytime God uses the number seven in a vision, God is communicating something. He is communicating the idea of perfection. And so God is presenting himself as being perfect in perception. Seven eyes, perfect in perception. It's a, it's a picture of both his omnipresence. He is God that is everywhere, always present, as well as He is God that is entirely uh, present, pr- uh, past, present, and future, knowing. So God is always present, no, past, present, future, and he, he knows everything, past, present, and future. He sees not only what the temple was, but he sees what the temple is. And not only what the temple is, but he sees what the temple is uh, to come. He sees it all. I love Proverbs uh, chapter 15, verse 3. It reminds us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I, I love it when people come to me and they say, doesn't God see what's going on? The answer is yes, he does. And if you think he's not in control of it, you've got another thing coming. God is in control. God is in control, and he sees it all. I also like 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I don't have a slide for this one, but it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Isn't it good to know that God sees you? Would you turn, just turn, tap, just turn, say to somebody, God sees you. I want you to know today that you are seen. You are seen today. God is present. God is present. When we return, listen, years, a couple of years ago, when we returned to in-person gathering after the pandemic, we were, we were facing some substantial obstacles. We had a significant mortgage payment. We were facing a $90,000 problem with our roof. 
I mean, 90,000 bucks. It's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. Only about half of our already fledgling congregation returned. Yeah, I'm going to say it. And, and guys, I, I tell you, that, that was half of half. Half of half. And that wasn't a unique problem. That was, that was a problem that affected most churches worldwide. And let me tell you, for a long time, churches were closing. Because people weren't coming back. And they couldn't, they couldn't manage financially. I don't usually speak public about some of these things, but like a lot of churches, we had political division. That was a really, really kind of ugly time, and, and I'm just warning you right now, we got another one coming, and I think it's going to be worse than the one before. And I'm just going to put it out there. If your political bent is more important to you than the gospel, you have an idolatry problem. It got ugly. I'm putting out fires. I'm, I'm having to apologize for how people were using social media. Every day it was something else. Mask, don't mask. And whatever we decided as a leadership, and I, I, I'm looking around my leadership like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever we decided as a leadership, we couldn't win. We couldn't win. If, if, we, if, 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 we, if we decide to go this direction, half the people were mad at us. If we decided to go that direction, half the people were mad at us. We, we couldn't win. We had folks during this time who were going around saying that we weren't going to make it. The church wasn't going to make it. Some of them were saying it to me, and some of them were gathering together and saying it amongst themselves. Attendance was down. Giving was down. I'll never forget getting invited over to somebody's house and sitting down to lunch, and, and then they were telling me, well, if certain families didn't return, quote, we might as well shut the lights off because it's over, end quote. Well, let me tell you something. Those families left. We're here. Because, listen, it's, it's not about what somebody puts in the offering. It's about what God is doing in our midst. We're here. All this time, I'm, I'm hearing from the Lord. Don't listen to him. I'm present. Keep working. And man, let me tell you something. Satan is throwing everything at us but the kitchen sink. And I'm pretty sure I saw it flying past my head at one point. All the while, I mean, and, and, and I mean, think about this, guys. We... we frozen water line bus we had fifty two thousand dollars in damage to our to our north wing we had that thing stripped down to the to the to the studs and all the while god's saying don't quit don't quit breakthrough's coming i remember at one point i'm 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 looking at things and i i told our leadership i said guys you know i've cut every expense that i can cut i've renegotiated up here i've done this i've done that i've i've, I've done everything that i can do to cut expenses and I said, maybe, maybe it's, it's time that, that I, I go out and I, I look for another full-time job. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not going to be your pastor, but maybe I need to, maybe I need to go, go get another full-time job. And, and because at that time, I mean, our two largest expenses were the mortgage and the pastor. I mean, you know, and I, I, I can't cut them. Somebody said, well, maybe we need to re re uh, redo our mortgage. And the Lord said, no, don't do that. And so I said, we're not doing that. And I'll never forget when I said, maybe I need to go out and find, a, find another job, a full-time job. And there was a silence in the room, and I'll never forget, Lene just like body slammed that idea. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I so appreciate um, the leadership of this church. Uh, you guys have no, no idea uh, what, what these folks do for you. I'll never forget, Lene just like broke the silence. She goes, well, I'm not in favor of that. She says, we need to have faith. We need to trust God. And so God provided. 
since the pandemic, God provided uh, so that we could replace our roof on our building, a $90,000 miracle. Praise God. Yeah, praise the Lord. We finished the restoration of our north wing in 2022, just in time to celebrate the burning of our note, retiring our mortgage. People, people are like, how did you do it? I don't know. I really don't. I, 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 we didn't. God did. For the third year straight since the pandemic, we ended this past calendar year in the black. I'm not, and listen, I'm, and I, I got to say, you know, again, our, our church's leadership, the support that I get from, from people like our minister of finance, Roxanne, you know, from, from Denny, from, from Ken, from Lene, from Ashley, you know, the, 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 the support that, that uh, you all have from them. These, these, are, these are people who are, who are out there praying, who are fighting, who are making the hard decisions. And uh, let me tell you something, uh, you know, you can't thank them enough, but listen, it's all for the, for the glory and honor of God. Uh, because when a lot of churches are closing because they can't make their bills, you know, we're three years now since the pandemic uh, still operating in the black. Now, it was tight, but we did it. We did it. I'm not sitting here going, oh yeah, we're raking it in. No, we still had to keep expenses down. And, and listen, we had a lot of like designated uh, gifts that made things like VBS possible and, and other things. Uh, it's because people are, are giving generously that we're continuing to operate. But God, God has been faithful. Again, someone asked me this past year, how did you guys weather all of that? I just pointed up. I said, God's present. God is present. And, and, and we've remained faithful. We've gone from an average attendance barely holding at 30. Since the pandemic, we've baptized 21 eight people this past year and you want to talk about metrics metrics that that pastors look at that say that say this is a healthy church and that's one of them folks people are getting saved people are being baptized that is the sign of a healthy church we've welcomed in 14 new members and we'll be welcoming in a few more in the coming weeks. Our average Sunday is more than doubled what our post-pandemic average Sunday was. Uh, this last year, it saw our biggest attended vacation Bible school on record since at least 2017. Uh, that's as far back as I had records that went. Uh, three children, three children got saved during VBS. God is good, amen? Listen, we've new doors, we've got new doors, we've got new carpet. Again, the generosity and the hard work of people in our congregation make these things possible. We rehabbed our sign. You know, that's the first question that, that anyone asked me after I became pastor. What are we going to do about our sign? This old broken down sign out here. By the way, I, I despised the sign. It was, it was just terrible. I mean, the lights are going out, the thing looked horrible, I, you know. But uh, the, the sign's been rehabbed, again, thanks uh, to, to private donations and for hard work, people rolling up their sleeves. And you know, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have to call pros. We had people in our congregation who made sure, and I don't know, people, nobody said anything, but the sign's been rehabbed. It's got our logo on it. It looks great. Uh, the lights, if you drive by at night, it's all lit up again instead of like only like one flickering bulb on this side and, and two flickering bulbs on the other. Um, it, it's... it's it's so many seemingly small things. It's little things, church. I, I, and again, against the backdrop of what's happened in Jerusalem, I just want you to see all these little things that have happened over the past few years that are just adding up. Small things. Because of ridiculous generosity of God's people and the incredible faithfulness of God. God has been faithfully present. And we can see the evidence all over this place. But I'm here today, church, to declare to you that these have been the days of small beginnings. These have been the days of small beginnings. Small beginnings for bigger things to come. Bigger things to come. You know, I believe outlook can determine outcome. If we see only problems, we'll become uh, discouraged. 
But if we can learn to see possibilities in the problems and trust in the Lord, we can experience victory. We have to learn to see God's presence, to practice God's presence. Because listen, human effort will only take us so far. And that's all fine and good, but we've been called to something, something much more. The work of the God reaching people with the good news, the transformation of people's lives. Church, listen to and this is what we've been called to. And this is a God-sized thing that we've been called to. The Scottish missionary and author for, of My Utmost for His Highest, if you've never read that devotion, you really should. Oswald Chambers, he writes this, quote, All of God's people are ordinary people who have been made extraordinary by the purpose He has given them. End quote. You've been given extraordinary purpose, and that makes you extraordinary people. You know, I get, to, I get to go out every day and I get to tell people, I am the pastor of an extraordinary church. And the extraordinary purpose of God not only requires God's extraordinary presence, it requires God's extraordinary power. Church, we not only need the Lord's presence, we need the Lord's power as we labor for the kingdom. I want you to look back with me at verse 5 here in uh, Zechariah chapter 4. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Verse 6. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord. Thankful for his word. Amen. I'm thankful for the revelation of his word. Look what his word to Zerubbabel is. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Temple building, which was what Zerubbabel is tasked with, uh, it will be completed. God said so. The people are frustrated, man. They quit. They're, they're on lunch break, extended lunch break, because they see this as being too big for them. And you got your naysayers who are out there, who are out there going, oh, you guys can't do this, and we're, we're not going to be able to do this, and this is a waste of time, and, and we need to focus on ourselves and build our houses and do our thing, and, and we need to establish ourselves. And then, you know, maybe... Maybe a generation or two will come back and we'll get this thing done. And a lot of people listened. So guess what? They went and they, they started focusing on their lives, their houses. They've thrown in the towel. They're discouraged. But God had other plans. God is saying this is going to get done. And you know when a lot of people are saying, hey, you guys aren't going to make it over at Collin Creek. I don't know, you guys... God had other plans. God said, this is going to get done. Praise God, this is going to get done. God's got to, listen, God put this church here for a purpose, for a reason that is bigger than all of us. And I got news for you. If all of us threw in the towel right now, you know something? God would take all of this and he would give it to somebody who will be faithful to do with it what he intended for it to do. God says this is going to get done. Not by might. I love the Hebrew word here. It's a military term for a strong army. Not by might. Not by human might. Nor by power. The word koah is the same word used to describe the low carriers in Nehemiah 4.10. It's a picture of great manpower. You see, the problem was Zerubbabel, he was counting on the might and manpower. But guess what? Building a temple took more might and more manpower than what he had. There are a lot of people that say, you know what, a little congregation, you guys, you guys aren't going to be able to do much. I got news for you. It doesn't matter. Listen, God takes little things, little boys named David, and he takes down giants. That's what God does. God takes a little people and he builds a kingdom. That's what God does. Listen, God, God will whittle your army down to a handful. And you can hear him shaking in their armor. But God will take out the might of an entire kingdom with just a few. Because that's what God does. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is a picture here of, of God doing it in his own power, not in ours. Looked at from a human point of view, the available manpower, it was inadequate. Zerubbabel was right in the sense that he didn't have the might or the manpower necessary to do the work. 
But again, our God is bigger than we are. Our God is bigger than we are. We can relate to the story in a very real way. I hear directly and sadly indirectly from folks who say, well, we need this or we need that. We should do this, we should do that. Most of the time it's something that I'm either working on or have at least thought through. I know a lot of people ask about Sunday school or uh, expanding or adding to our kids' ministry, different types of outreaches. Uh, Guys, I'm never closed to an idea, but we are at a critical place right now as a church, a bit of a conundrum really. And anyone who's ever actively been involved in church ministry knows this conundrum. It's you need you need money to do things, but you to you need money to get people. But you also need people to get money. You see the problem here. It's a conundrum. And that's why listen, that's why you cannot you cannot build churches using human wisdom. You've got to trust in God. You've got to trust in the Lord. Because listen, where our where our resources are limited, his resources are unlimited. Ministry, ministry of any kind, it comes with financial cost. No one wants to talk about that, but it's true. It costs money to do ministry. That's the truth. Oh, here we go. The preachers get into my wallet. Some of you have already turned me off. I, 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 I know. But ministry of any kind comes with a financial cost. Not, not, listen, nothing, nothing is happening around here for free. Nothing is happening for free. So say, well, we want to we, we do an outreach. It take, an outreach does, it takes two things. It takes people and it takes money. It's just the reality of it. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it's the truth. Nothing in this world is free. You have to have money. You have to have, the other thing you need is people. People to lead, people to serve. Again, growing a church is a conundrum that at least on paper doesn't really balance. It doesn't. It doesn't balance on paper. I'm convinced it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to balance on paper. If it did, then you can say, look what those people did. Instead of looking what God did. See, I look back and I, I, I look back at all these victories, all these things that God has done. I can't, I can't take credit for it. And please, don't give me credit for any of this. The glory belongs to God and God alone. Because let me tell you something. Uh, we, don't, we got a new roof on this thing, not because people gave $90,000. It's because God performed a miracle and moved hearts and moved lives and God did that. So much so that our roofers looking at me going, I've been doing this for 30 some years and I've never seen this happen. God did that. God did that. It's not supposed to work on paper because then people are able to take credit. But it's what God has done. Look what God has done. If we're going to continue to build onto the foundation of this church, we'll not do it by might, we'll not do it by power, by money, by worldly wisdom. It's going to be done by and in the power of the Spirit of the living God. That's the way this is going to get done. We've got to trust God. And so I'm going to throw a plug in for our prayer call because I think that that's where, listen, that's where things happen when people pray. And I get it. If you can't make the prayer call, I can't make the prayer call right now. I'm, I'm taking college courses right now on Tuesday evening. But listen, if you can't be on the prayer call, you can still pray. We need to spend time praying for one another, for our church, for our community. We need to spend time in the presence of the Lord, talking to him about what he's doing in us and what he can do through us. I love this. Oh, mountain. Who are you, oh, mountain? I love this. God is, listen, God is taunting the mountains. Do you see this in the word today? God is taunting the mountains. Are there mountains? Are there mountains to move? Yes. But the Lord says in verse 7, O oh, you, O oh, great mountain. Who are you, O oh, great mountain? Now, listen, there is no mountain that God cannot move. 
no sea that he cannot part, no army that he cannot defeat, no, listen, no need that he cannot meet, no disease that he cannot heal. This is his church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It, it, it's not the church. It's the Lord's church. There's no obstacle that he can run over to get done what he wants to get done. This is the Lord's church. The same Lord who, by the way, says in Matthew chapter 16, I love this, this is the message. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Praise God. And Christ is doing just that right here at Collin Creek Church. He is, he is yeah, give him praise. You say, so Pastor Mike, where are we going? What's the vision? What are our goals? Well, I'm here today to tell you that this is the year of more. More. M-O-R-E. The year of more. And I alluded to this in my final message of 2023. We aim to know Christ more this year. To make Christ known more in 2024. Now, you're soon going to start seeing a, a campaign on social media using the hashtag more24. We will continue growing as the Lord allows. This growth will be in some key areas. They'll be in the areas of fellowship. They'll be in the areas of leadership, in the areas of outreach, and care, knowledge, and service. Or something I call flocks. Flocks. Fellowship, leadership, outreach, care, knowledge, service. Flocks. One note that I want to add to this Flocks initiative is leadership development is currently one of, my, one of my highest priorities. We did a leadership summit this past year, and we want to do more to build up our leadership. Great leaders lead great organizations, amen? And I think we've got some great leaders in our church. And I think that God is calling great leaders in our church. Uh, also, it's been some time since College Creek Church has had a deacon uh, pe people have told me, well, we used to have a deacon. Once upon a, we haven't had a deacon since I've been here, uh, and I think quite a while even before that, uh, we haven't had a, had a deacon. And, and in fact, I've been I've been terribly burdened uh, ever since I've I've taken the pastorate here of of seeing uh, seeing the the biblical ministry offices functioning in our church. Well, we're about to take a major step toward meeting this need. Uh, Brother Danny Cooper has accepted candidacy and will be considered to serve as a deacon. Uh, I'll be working with him uh, and with the leadership uh, to confirm and ordain him this year. Uh, I want to thank Danny for, uh, for answering the call when I presented this to him. Uh, he spent a great deal of time praying about it and uh, uh, praying and, and talking to the Lord about it, talking to Dee Dee about it. Dee Dee, I want to thank you for uh, supporting him in that uh, because, listen, uh, I, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you I can't do what I do without the support of my wife, and, and, and neither uh, does any of the rest of us, uh, by the way. It takes the support of our families, and so uh, we're looking forward to, uh, uh, to confirming and ordaining him later this year. We'll have a, we'll have a special service for that, uh, looking forward to that. I hope to add another deacon, perhaps two, over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, these deacons will, will function. Uh, in a biblical manner. The, the reason deacons, and we'll teach about more of this later, but the reason they called deacons was to serve the people uh, so that the apostles could spend more time ministering in the word. And so uh, this is a signal to the church that, that I'm really taking up uh, not only leadership, but I'm really concerned about the care ministry uh, within our church. And a care ministry, uh, it takes deacons. It takes the biblical uh, office of deacon to do that in the church. And so uh, Danny, uh, again, will be, uh, will be uh, uh, sitting down with him and, and the leadership uh, to, to make that happen later this year. We want to add another deacon, perhaps two, over the next 12 to 18 months. Now you might ask, well, Pastor Mike, again, what about Sunday school? What about kids ministry? What about fill in the blank? Well, let me first say, if, if you ever have questions, if you ever have an idea, I'm always, always, always glad to listen. Always. Uh, I'm always glad to answer your questions. Uh, and the short answer right now is, as the Lord provides. It's that simple. 
as the Lord provides. Uh, No one wants to see uh, these things happen more uh, than me. Uh, Nobody cares more about discipleship in our church uh, than I do. Uh, Believe me, uh, I want to see these things happen. Uh, As someone who started out in ministry as a youth pastor, uh, who for a number of years planted, Dorinda and I planted children's and student ministries in local churches. We trained people uh, to lead those ministries. Listen, I'm very zealous about uh, about uh, 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 things when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our children. Uh, the simple truth is that uh, uh, to make these things happen, we need to develop leaders. Uh, we need people to step up, to be able to, will, to be willing to lead within our congregation. Uh, people that are willing to sacrifice uh, uh, a worship service uh, on a regular basis, uh, similar to how we're doing our nursery right now. We need to find and attract leaders to come and partner with us from the outside. But it's also going to take all of us committing to and supporting this work with our tithes and offerings to give generously, to give sacrificially, to partner with God by generously giving our time, our talents and our treasures and entrusting them to his purpose. And so I want to challenge all of you, all of you uh, here in this first month of the new year to sit down uh, with your with your finances, sit down with your checkbook and look at your income. And look at what you're giving to the church. And uh, listen, the word tithe, it means 10%. But the New Testament model is generosity. And so that, that's something that's even bigger than a tithe. I want you to sit down. I want you to look at your finances. And I want you to pray. And I want you to say, Lord, is there something more I can do to support what you're doing at Collin Creek Church? And I know the answer is going to be yes. I know it is. You may say to me, well, Pastor Mike, you know, I, I, barely, you know, I can barely make it month to month. Listen, uh, I get it. I get it. And I've been there. I've, I'm, I Listen, I live paycheck to paycheck just like the rest of you. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling you here today, I'm telling you, if you pray and you're faithful, God will make a way. God will make a way. Uh, I just I challenge you to do that because, listen, it's going to take all of us working together and partnering with God. Uh, this past I shared the existing model that what we're doing with our kids right now. I had churches calling me who couldn't afford a youth pastor. They couldn't afford curriculum. They didn't have the manpower uh, to, to take the kids out and do something separate with them. And so they're, they're saying, hey, I, I hear you're doing something really unique in your service. What are you doing? So I, I got to share with, with three different churches, three different pastors, what we were doing uh, to, to, to kind of uh, overcome that circumstance. I got to share with them videos of our services. And listen, I got feedback. And you know what the feedback that I've got from them is? Uh, wow, our kids are really growing in the Lord. More so than they ever were before in, our, in what we were doing. Uh, we, you know, we went years and we never baptized a kid. We, one pastor said, we just baptized three kids in our church. Kids are growing in the Lord. And so anyone who says, hey, and you want to get me riled up, just come and say we don't have anything going on for our kids. Uh, we got, we got, we got our kid. Our kids are always listen. This is happening because people are giving, people are sacrificing. Those those boards, listen. Those are ju- those aren't toys that we're giving them. Those are tools. There's a difference. And so, so we 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 have uh, ministries here going on for our kids, and other churches who have tried exactly what we're doing are seeing results. They're saying our kids are learning, they're growing, and so moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Until we're in a place to do more, and we'll get to that place. I promise you we're going to get to that place. But thanks to the work and sacrifice of others, we're providing good resources for you every single week. And so encourage your kids to use those resources. Encourage them to pay attention. Encourage them to participate during service. More is coming, but make the most of what we have available for you right now. I'm excited for the coming year, church. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm wrapping up. I know I've gone over. I'm excited for the, excited for the coming year. Uh, next week we're going to begin an ongoing series that'll re, that'll uh, revisit. Uh, we'll revisit this throughout the year, uh, called Hall of Faith. Uh, we'll be taking a deep dive into a character from Scripture to learn why they're considered a hero of the faith. Uh, we're going to do a four-part series next month, how to read the Bible. Uh, I had a conversation a couple months ago with Miss Maggie, who is terribly, terribly burdened. 
uh, for our congregation, that people uh, understand and know how to study God's Word. I, I've never met anybody uh, who loves the study of God's Word like Miss Maggie. And so she's praying for you. She is. She is. Uh, she's out there. She is fighting battles for you, concerned, burdened uh, that you have the tools to be able to study your Bibles effectively. So we're going to we're going to talk about uh, I'm, I'm going to teach you something that I learned in Bible college, and that's hermeneutics. OK, that's a big word. Uh, but trust me, you'll, you'll love this. We're going to talk about how to read the Bible. A series, we're going to do a series this summer uh, uh, on the parables of Christ. We're going to do that over the summer. We're going to do a nine-part study through the book of Genesis this fall. Um, we're going to have uh, some of our missions partners joining us. Our dear friends, the Edgemans, uh, will be here with us in just a few weeks. Steve Schatzman from Project Mexico uh, will be back with us later this spring. Uh, we're already working on what's going to be a fabulous VBS. Uh, our VBS broke records uh, this past year. We expect this VBS to be even better, to be more. Do you get that? More. Uh, we've got other surprises that are coming along the way. And so I'm so glad, so glad uh, that you're here and that you're going to be a part of, uh, of what's unfolding uh, here at Collin Creek Church. God is up to big things. This is the year of more, church. More knowledge, more power, more presence, more fellowship, more community. This is the year of more. Uh, these have been challenging years, to be sure. Uh, our goals may, uh, our, our gains may seem small to some, but God continues to show us how big He is. And I believe this coming year is going to bring unprecedented growth. This year is going to bring unprecedented growth. I really believe that. You say, Pastor Mike, you've drank the Kool-Aid. Again, I hate Kool-Aid. I've just drank the living water. And I believe that this is the year of unprecedented growth. But through it all, there'll be growing pains. I'm just warning you right now, there will be growing pains. You hear me say, those are good problems to have. We're going to have some of those good problems. I'm just warning you right now, okay? Nobody panic, all right? Just look at somebody and say, no panic. With, with growth comes pains. And I'm telling you, those growing pains, are gonna, we're going to have some good problems this year. But through it all, it is necessary for us to keep our eyes on God. For us to remain faithful, for us to trust God with the results, whatever they may be, to trust God with the results. Our mandate is bigger than me. Our mandate is bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us, but it's not bigger than God. He is the God of more. Amen. Do you believe that? So church, what have we learned today? And how can we apply it to make this coming year the best year yet? When we are following God's plan for our lives, we should embrace our starting point no matter how small it is, and trust in the presence and power of God for the results. I'm telling you today, no matter how broken things may seem in your life, God will put it back together if you will patiently trust Him. I have seen God repair broken marriages. I've seen Him raise them from the dead. I have seen God... Uh, restore people financially. I have seen God do incredible things. I've seen God heal diseases that doctors said couldn't be healed. I've seen God do these things. I've seen God take a remnant of people and, and just absolutely uh, blow things up to where they are knocking walls out because they don't have room for everybody. I love Dorinda's illustration this morning with our kids. No doubt you've seen those time-lapse videos that show a constant dripping of water over time and how it can cut through limestone. You maybe have seen that. Or like she illustrated this morning, how one penny can quickly multiply to where you can't even, you can apply that to a drop of water too. One drop of water multiplied, you fill an ocean. I want to close by challenging you today to be the drop. Be the drop. You say, Pastor Mike, you know, I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. Just be the drop. Just bring what you've got. Just bring what you've got and be the drop. Because one drop of water can fill an ocean. It can cut through limestone. One drop of water. Be the drop. Don't be satisfied sitting in the pipe. Don't be intimidated by the stone. Don't be overwhelmed by the ocean. Just be the drop. Have a little faith. Step up. Step out. 
Stop the excuses. Do your part. Outlook can determine outcome. And so I say, see the possibilities. Trust in the Lord, and together we are going to see God do more in 2024. Will you stand with me? Yeah, give him praise. <laughs> Worship team's going to come. They're going to lead us in one more song before we finish up today. Man, I have so enjoyed opening God's Word. I have so enjoyed looking back. I've enjoyed looking ahead. God is up to good things. Amen. Do you believe that today? I tell you what, if, if, if this, is my, this, is my, this is my invitation for you. My hope for you is that you will leave today with a renewed excitement. That you will leave here today rejoicing, saying, I am so glad to be a part of what God's doing at Collin Creek Church. You're in a good place. And you, and you know something, as a pastor, these are good people. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. All kidding about going to the tropics aside, I'm so blessed. I love what I do because I love you. And uh, I'm so glad, so glad to get to be a part of what God is doing here. I've never been a part of a ministry in 30 some odd years of doing ministry. I've never been a part of a ministry that I've been this excited about, this hopeful for, that I've seen the possibilities so clearly. So my challenge to you is that you'll leave today excited, that you'll leave today challenged, but that you'll come back next week with your sleeves rolled up, ready to be the drop. Father, we love you today. Thank you so much for this privilege. Jesus, you said, on this rock I will build my church. I want to be one of those rocks, God. I want to be one more brick that you, that you add to the foundation. It's a strong foundation. Because you are the foundation. I want to be that rock, that stone, that brick laid on that foundation that's part of this glorious thing that you're building. This beacon of hope to a world that is imploding in on itself. I want to shine the light of Christ. I want to offer hope. I want to be light. God, I see what you're doing in this church, what you're doing through this church. God, you've been so faithful, and God, I want to thank you today. When so many were giving up, when so many were throwing their hands in the air, when so many were walking away, when so many, God, said that it couldn't be done, you'll never survive. God, you said, I've got other plans. Praise you, God. You've done the impossible. And you've shown us what is possible. And so God, today, we look to you with hope. We look to you with anticipation. Because we know that this is the year of more. God, we want to know you more this year. We want to make you known more this year. Jesus, have your way in our lives, through our lives. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.
great place to be, amen? It is such a privilege, it's my greatest privilege to be able to, be able to open God's Word and, and study it with you. And uh, I hope you've been encouraged today. And now, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Go, move mountains. Go move mountains. Be the church. Make it a great week.